0: 785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in.
1: Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national. But doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show, meets C SPAN, so let's get this show started. back to another packed edition of Ballots and Brews. We are so glad you could spend some of your Thursday evening or Friday morning, if you happen to be listening then uh, with us. We have another great show ahead tonight. We are talking about uh, school boards tonight, which is a a level of government that we haven't gotten to uh, yet on this show, but a hugely important one. So we are so excited that we have school board member Lalo Munoz joining us this evening for a a fascinating conversation. Um, So we're excited to talk with him, but first, uh, like we do, all of our shows we want to start with beer and uh, we are so glad to have a returning guest with us tonight we are so excited to have marty craver co-owner of happy basset brewing with us today marty thanks for hanging out with us
2: Hey Angel, thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely glad glad you could be back for for round two.
2: Yeah, I'm am excited.
1: Absolutely. Well, and the first uh, first things first, we always have to ask how how are the dogs?
2: Oh, the pups are good. They're they're loving this nice warmer weather we've been having. They weren't real fond of the snap <laughs> we had a week a couple weeks ago.
1: So. <laughs> oh my goodness, I bet. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. ready
2: to hang out on the patio and have a couple brews. <laughs>
1: That's, absolutely, I saw I saw some of the happiness last weekend. So it's that it's that time of year.
2: <laughs> it is.
1: Um, well, yo, and last time uh, you were on the show, you guys were actually just getting ready to open your new location out at the Barrel House. So it's been a couple months now. How's everything been going?
2: Yeah, it's crazy to believe we've we've opened an event space in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> right. It's going about as well as we could be expecting. You know, we're really excited for this warmer weather and to get to spring and summer when we can have some outdoor uh. events. And we've got a lot of space to, to keep a nice group of people inside.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, for folks that might not be familiar with that location, you, you all remind people where that's located?
2: Yeah, we're on 510 Southwest 49th Street. So if you're on Topeka Boulevard, just west on 49th Street.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, when we think about people going out more uh, in public, yells you know, we kind of look ahead, as maybe a, a little bit of a light at the end of the, the COVID tunnel there and think about at least being together for for outdoor events or things like that. You guys have such a, a, a great space, both indoors but outdoors outdoor patio if you want to talk a little bit about the space bay for those who haven't been there before
2: Good. we've got quite a bit of indoor space and we're actually going to expand that later this year or next and then we've also got a nice outdoor patio that gets afternoon shade and then a smaller patio on the west side of the building if you want to watch the sunset we've got about 11 acres and we're looking to add a, a dog park in the near future <laughs> so get some get some space for your furry friends to come enjoy time outside
1: Absolutely. Well, and you know, of course, we know that that bars, other locations too, are uh, adapting, have adapted to COVID in the last year. And so, even if folks um, you know don't want to go and actually sit at the bar, they can still order crowlers uh, or growlers or things to go. Is that right?
2: Yep, we've got howlers and growlers. You can get to go beers. We've also got four packs of sixteen ounce pounders or cans of beer. You can take uh, available at both locations.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know about the pounders. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, we, we actually started that during the pandemic, so it's something we'd been talking about doing for a while, and we, we kind of had to move it up and speed up that project. That's
0: that's,
1: that's way cool. Now, I forgot, yeah, i uh, I noticed this just as I've been around town, but it looks like I can find Happy Best at, at quite a few places, uh, on tap at quite a few restaurants and places whatnot uh, throughout the city.
2: If we're available throughout town. You know, we're, we're selling beer and... Uh, you can enjoy us not only in our tap room, but at other locations.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's way cool. Uh, well, you know, as we look ahead, you know, one thing, actually, and if this was not on our, our script I had originally, but uh, something I, of course, uh, should ask is I hear that there is a new 785 beer on tap. Is that correct?
2: We've well, always got new beers. Uh, the Seven Eight Five, and then we're actually releasing the saison today. And we've got an Irish beer that'll come out on March thirteenth during our St. Patrick's Day party. Very
1: yeah. cool. Now, uh, tell me, the Seven Eight Five—is that I couldn't remember? Is that a pale ale?
2: Yeah, it's a pale ale. It's a—it's a, one of our original beers. Awesome. Very
1: cool. Well, we of course, as, as our listeners out there um, know, that we are a part of Seven Eight Five uh, Live Radio, which is also a part of Seven Eight Five Magazine, and so we thought that was pretty cool that there was a Seven Eight Five beer uh, out there at Happy yeah, Basset. But-
2: yeah, it's one of our originals. It's a pale ale, and it's named, of course, after 785, our area code. Oh, yeah,
1: that, that's awesome. And, of course, we've got March 13th, uh, we've got the beer coming out for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, any any plans for St. Patrick's Day at our location?
2: Yeah, so we're going to have the bagpipes playing at the Barrel House, and we're also going to have breakfast and lunch uh, served from a food truck. So we'll have some Irish favorites. Oh, very cool. And now is
1: that on St. Patrick's itself, or will it be the weekend following...
2: It'll be that 13th oh, okay. party on the 13th.
1: Yep. Very good. So there you go. The, thir- the 13th is the St. Patrick's Day festivities. Uh, they can check out that breakfast. So uh, It sounds like a really good time.
2: Yeah, it should be fun. And always, it's a fun time to watch the bagpipes.
1: Absolutely. And outside of the St. Patrick's Day, any other uh, upcoming events or, or developments that we should know about?
2: I just wanted to say the kilts are optional for the St. Patrick's. Ah. They're welcome, but it is absolutely optional. I I know know there are a lot of viewers that are curious about that. That's good to know. Yeah, we do do have live music on Fridays and Saturdays, so uh, just check out our Facebook page. It's really the best way to stay up to date on all of our upcoming events
1: absolutely yeah i was gonna say you know remember folks to check out happy bassett and uh happy bassett barrel house um on social media they do a really good job um on facebook of letting people know about upcoming events and whatnot that, that that are going on i know it seems like i think it's a for you guys this anniversary um at the original location you guys always seem to do a pretty big uh, parking lot party for that
2: yeah, we're, we're, we're actually, we turned five this year. So we're, we're trying to figure out what we want to oh, do yeah. for, our, for our fifth birthday. You know, that's the first year milestone after you're one year old. And yeah. you know, five as a, as a small business, that's really exciting. And I think we're actually going to celebrate that at both locations. And then the other milestone we have, our original Bath and Freckles turns 10 on April 1st. So you can be on the lookout for a fun four-legged birthday party
1: oh i'm so there that's the that's the kind of birthday party i live for
2: yeah she's she's pretty excited you know tenza it's a big milestone for her and she she still like thinks she's a puppy
1: <laughs> absolutely oh it's well that's uh, if we promote no other event we're for sure gonna remember that one about wish her happy birthday that's awesome yeah. Very cool. Well, Marty, thanks for all the, the good work that you all are doing um, out at both locations. It's exciting to know, too, that people can uh, get their, their howlers or their growlers or the powders out, which is really awesome as well.
2: Yeah, thanks, Angel. Appreciate the time today.
1: Absolutely. Uh, well, folks, go ahead and stay tuned. Uh, we will, of course, be sharing uh, Happy Bassett's information on our social media, uh, but go ahead and stay tuned uh, for the rest of this evening tonight. We're going to take a quick break, um, and then we'll be back with our roundup, where of course, we'll talk about all the craziness happening um, in local and state politics from this last week. So you are listening to Balance and Bruce here on KSF 785 Live Radio. All right. Welcome back, everyone. It is time for the roundup, which is our time where we always go through the latest that's happening in our local state government. And uh, folks, all I got to say is uh, buckle up. Cause there is a lot going on in this here city, county and state in this last week. And so we got, we got a lot to talk about. So we're just going to jump right into things. So we are going to start like we always do here in Top City, uh, with this week's city council meeting. As we mentioned last week, the city council is back to their hybrid style meetings, and so this is where um, they've got some uh, council folks attending via Zoom, and then they've got some that are attending socially distance in the city council chambers. Um, so they've got kind of the hybrid option uh, going on, um, and it looks like it's it's working for them. I think some folks were excited to be back in the, uh, the council chambers, and that does mean that Uh, Folks can now attend those meetings. Just FYI, they can allow, I think, up to 15 people in the city council chambers uh, to attend those meetings. So uh, some progress being made there. Uh, One of the first things they did at the city council meeting was heard from Evergy, Um, And this was a uh, much-anticipated presentation, as you can might imagine, with the uh, rolling blackouts that happened here a couple weeks ago in the wake of the super-frigid weather uh, that we had. uh, City Council members had some questions uh, for Evergy, and so uh, Evergy started off by really kind of giving uh, a presentation about what exactly those planned outages looked like during that week. Um, They really kind of went into detail with City Council members about where those, uh, those rolling outages took place at in the community, which was actually pretty interesting to, to see. Um, and what you find from looking at those maps and watching their presentation um, is that the areas that were most impacted um, by those rolling outages were um, the Oakland neighborhood, uh, North Topeka, and East Topeka um Evergy did stress that they they tried to avoid uh, cutting power to uh parts of the grid that specifically power things like you know hospitals or uh, COVID-19 vaccination sites you know some of those areas that are pretty important um, and uh, they made a note too. Of course, these are kind of uh, non-discriminatory. These are circuits essentially that they're that they're switching off to cut the power off. Um, so there was conversation um, about specifically. It was a the councilwoman Valdivia Alcala. Um, who asked, um, and she represents um, that uh, significant portion of East Topeka. Um, and she had some questions about you know, why it seemed like lower income areas uh, were targeted by Evergy um, for these outages. Um, and as we just talked about, Evergy said, you know, when we do these cuts, we're really just flipping switches. And so we don't know anything about the socioeconomic uh, makeup of the communities that were, uh, that those cuts or those uh, uh, blackouts are going to uh, impact. And so there wasn't any specific targeting of areas by income level or anything like that. Um, they did also, as we talked about last week's show uh, or a couple of weeks ago, Evergy did point out that these kinds of rolling blackouts were needed uh, to prevent those longer-term outages that we see in places like down in Texas. Um, that so there was some continued discussion. Councilman Duncan um, also asked about uh, kind of Evergy's communications plan. Um, if you can think back to that time, as we were all um, sitting around trying not to freeze, um, you know, the communications um, that we were uh, receiving during that time, you know, could be, uh, were a little sporadic at, at times. And so there's questions about, you know, why there wasn't more consistent communication on, on Evergy's part. Um, and Evergy really responded that, you know, there was a combination of, of things that that happened. You know, of course, there was a, a pent- or there was a ton of demand uh, for wanting to get access to Evergy um, information Information. And so, of course, her website uh, crashed, which did not help in the midst of all of this. Um, and so they were able to push information out on social media, uh, which I saw, um, of course, multiple times uh, that day. And I think we shared on the Ballots and Brew's uh, Twitter uh, account as well. So they were trying to make use of social media and some of those um, alternative means of communication. I do know Emergy sent things to uh, those of us at nonprofits like United Way to push out to um, uh, folks that we serve as well. And so they did attempt some multiple means of communication, um, but they did acknowledge that um, in the future they want to do better. Um, and so they, they said they are going to be working on addressing that. Uh, next up, uh, the city council talked Airbnbs. We talked about this just a few weeks ago, too. So uh, you know, last time we talked, this was just an initial consideration of some changes to uh, city code as it relates to Airbnbs. Um, but this Tuesday was the, the big day for final action. On those, uh, looking at those uh, changes, and so again, remember this is uh, the, this was a, a change target at helping the city regulate Airbnbs that are operating in the city of Topeka uh, more. Um, these are officially known under the law as short-term rentals. Um, so again, it's you know one of those things where the city is really trying to update their city ordinances to match the times and to take into account the relatively new phenomena of things like Airbnbs um, and what they could mean for their neighborhoods. Uh, So they did pass um, some changes regarding these quote-unquote short-term rentals. Um, Among other things, it requires one parking space uh, for the primary resident in front of an Airbnb. It also requires one space for every two guest bedrooms be available in front of the Airbnb. Um, so, you know, of course, you can start doing that math and depending on how many bedrooms you're offering in your Airbnb, um, you're going to need to provide uh, a significant number of uh, parking spaces uh, in front of your, your Airbnb. Um, and so that's going to make a difference for some folks and how they're renting out those, those Airbnbs right now. Um, it should be noted that Airbnb is defined by this ordinance as a, uh, a short term rental, excuse me, is defined um, as basically a rental of 28 days or less, um, and there are different types. Um, so they've guided like, three different types. three or four different types of these short-term rentals. Um, and so it all depends on different characteristics and how you're operating the short-term rental and that sort of thing. Um, the, it did pass eight to one, actually. Only one, um, uh, only one person that, uh, that opposed it. Uh, but there were lots of questions and discussions from the city council. Again, trying to figure all this new stuff out. Um, you know, there are some city council members that saw some loopholes in this. Uh, remember, this is defining a short-term rental as something, a place that's being rented for 28 days or less. So if you really want to get around this, well, maybe you rent a place out for 29 days or 30 days, and then all of a sudden you're not subject to these same rules, and then you could be causing the same kinds of harm that the ordinance was trying to prevent. Um, so they had those kinds of issues that they were trying to, to think through um, and, and work through. Um, and But ultimately, it did pass uh, 8 to 1. Um, and then, of course, the city council talked budget priorities. Um, and I know nothing gets, if you weren't excited already, you got super excited when you heard FY2022 budget priorities. Uh, so this is actually a, an initial step in the budgeting process. So from now, um, throughout the summer, the city council is going to be working on establishing their next year, but their next fiscal year budget, which is always an exciting time. Um, and uh, so this is kind of one of those initial steps. Um, and so what they uh, what they are actually required by law to do is by the third Tuesday in May, uh, which I think is May 18th this year, they have to have budget priorities established because these priorities are then what guide the work of city staff as they put together the budget. Um, so they identified a number of, of priorities uh, for this year's uh, for this next city budget. Um, and so their priorities there are five of them altogether um, include investing in infrastructure continuing a commitment to public safety, continuing a commitment to developing neighborhoods, selected strategic investments toward quality of life, and improving fiscal sustainability. Uh, So five um, uh, priorities that they've identified for discussion. Uh, This was just discussion tonight. These will still be reviewed um, and will be um, subject to review probably for a couple more meetings before they finally approve them because they do have until May to approve these, these priorities. Um, there actually was a little bit of discussion from the public. Um, our pal Joe Ledbetter that we talked about before um, was back at it um, in person now this time talking to the city council um, about his views on these things. And as we mentioned before, Joe is pretty dang sharp. Um, and so he uh, he's an attorney and he's hes a smart man and he knows how to get access to information. And so he had, of course, uh, done his, his uh, due diligence in getting copies of, of budget information, that sort of thing, to really um, ask some tough questions of the city. City Council, as they reviewed uh, these priorities, Um, you know, he really stressed the emphasis of three different um, uh, priorities that he would like to see addressed um, on behalf of of residents in the city. Um, One was looking at uh, uh, upgrading of city code. Um, Another was looking at uh, city water. Um, and then his third one was street repairs and specifically uh, pothole repair, which I think is something if you've been a Topeka resident for a while, you probably have an appreciation uh, for. But he really pressed the city council on it, really looking at street repairs um, and specifically their response to potholes. And and in his remarks to the council, he said these may seem like small potatoes kind of things, but they are uh, very important to uh, many residents in the state of Topeka. And so he might agree with him. Um, and then also the city spent some time again. This was just a discussion item, not an action item, um, but looking at their capital improvement plan. Um, and so we talked about this before as a reminder that the Capital Improvement Plan, and it's something if you um, want to look up more, you can look up, you can Google uh, the Topeka Capital, uh, City of Topeka Capital Improvement Projects and Capital Improvement Plan. Um, and I think we actually put that on our social media not too long ago as well in one of our past episodes too. Um, but this is that kind of long-term strategic plan for infrastructure upgrades in the city. Um, and so they've been reviewing for the past couple of meetings now, different pieces of the capital improvement plan. And so this Tuesday, they specifically talked about street improvements. Um, and so they got a look at a couple of different planned street projects for the next couple of years. Um, and if I, it, and I apologize now, if that totally just triggered some of you out there that cannot handle street construction, I'm apologize right now. Cause we're going to talk, we're going to talk about some projects. So if the site of, of orange construction cones and road closure signs, this makes you like just lose your mind you might just want to like mute for a little bit uh, but we'll go give you an overview of uh, there were uh, a couple projects five projects kind of of note um, that they uh, were reviewing uh, so the first one would be some plan improvements to South Topeka Boulevard from 29th Street to 37th Street. Um, This is a project that would involve um, some substantial work on rehabbing that road. Um, And that uh, the design work would happen in 2024 um, and construction in 2026. Um, And so on a number of these projects, we're talking about projects um, that are uh, probably about five years out. Um, A lot of them are looking at construction in 2026 and design in 2024. Um, So that was the first big one was South Topeka Boulevard, 29th Street to 37th Street. Um, Their next big one they heard was Work on Huntoon, Um, so those of you that have been around for a couple years now will remember uh, back in 2018 they did, the city did a significant number of improvements to the road from I-4, on Huntoon from I-470 to basically where Bartlett West is up there on the hill uh, overlooking Sam's Club and all that Um, so as a lot of you remember uh, because you weren't able to take the exit off the highway there for a while, the city did a lot of work um, on that road Um, so the next phase is to then finish up from kind of where Bartlett West is uh, west to Yurish uh, to really finish those that modernization of that road that they started and continue those improvements um, out to Urish. Um So that will likely be a, one of those 2026 projects here in about five years. Um, a project over on the northwest side, uh, some continuations of improvements to northwest Tyler Street. Uh, that's another project looking in the next five years or so in 2026. Um, And then a big one that's actually um, coming up fairly soon, Um, this is looking at Urish Road from 21st Street to 29th Street. Um, And I, you know, I've driven on this road before, and I don't think I quite realized uh, this, but there's some real concern about that stretch of yours from 21st to 29th Street. Um, According to city engineers, um, that roadway in its present form will not last for another five years unless they make some major improvements to it. So just some things to know as you uh, drive down that street that apparently it has a life expectancy that is coming up pretty quick. Um, So the long-term plan um, is to look in five years, in 2026, um, at doing some significant total overhaul um, to that road. But in the meantime, starting next year in 2022 and 2023, um, they are considering that project for uh, what's called mill and overlay. And so that's what you've seen before where they kind of tear out um, the part of the surface of the street and then replace it with with, uh, new surfacing um, and so they're considering that as a way to kind of help the road at least get some extra life to get it to 2026, um, because they aren't really that concerned about it. Um, and then also looking at some improvements on Temp Street as well. Um, looking from the uh, Watermaker Road area uh, to uh, Gerald Lane. I'm um, looking at how we could continue to make improvements um, on Temp Street there as it takes on uh, more business traffic. So. Just discussion on these these items again. The capital improvement project, as our capital improvement plan, as Councilman Padilla talked about um, previously, is a big plan. So they're kind of slowly working their way through all the different projects um, that are part of that plan. So that was kind of what the City Council was looking at uh, this week. When we get to the county level, um, one project that kind of actually includes both county and city uh, is the Polk Quincy Viaduct. Um, this uh, viaduct is, uh, we're referring, of course, to that portion of I-70 that goes through downtown Topeka near 3rd Street, and it makes that that hairpin turn right there where you sometimes cling to the side of your car and just hope it gets hopes that, uh, that you're going to make it. Um, you know, we've probably all used some words that uh, we can't quite say um, on this show or in uh, <laughs> out loud. Um, but suffice it to say, that is a pretty terrifying stretch of road. And actually, unfortunately, there, I think last week was a really bad accident on that stretch of road. And that unfortunately resulted in, in a woman being killed um, on that stretch of road. And that's actually the latest in a long series <laughs> of, uh, of bad accidents that have happened there. Um, so it's been a priority of the city to do something about the Polk Quincy Viaduct for a long time. Like I'm pretty sure when I first moved to Topeka, like of the things I heard, it was Washburn's awesome. Uh, Cause of course it was Um, Bobo's is awesome. You should go there to eat, did that. Um, And Perovsky's chili is awesome. And then somewhere right after that was, and by the way, we should fix the Polk Quincy Viaduct. Pretty sure somewhere in those first couple of things I learned about Topeka, uh, that was, that was one of them. Um, and So they've been working on a, a working on it for a while, um, and as we mentioned on one of our previous shows, finally um, KDOT actually approved uh, moving forward with a plan um, to improve the viaduct, and so we're just now getting started on some initial work um, to to revamp that uh, that stretch of road. Um, So KDOT had an initial meeting yesterday to talk about kind of how this process gets started um, and what their plan looks like. It's a multi-year plan, so we're talking probably four years before we're seeing major construction happen on that stretch of road. Um, But what it essentially looks like is they're going to take that western part of that curve. um, So once you get past that curve and you start driving uh, west, they're going to take that western stretch and move it north by probably about a block and a half. Um, And so that would essentially result in that curve not being so steep. Um, but what that's also going to mean is that there, the KDOT is going to need access to some more land in order to do that. So there's some existing land in that area and buildings um, in that area downtown as well that are going to need to be um, they are going to need to be cleared um, in order to have that construction happen. Uh, so KDOT is in the beginning processes of uh, acquiring their right of way, which is essentially acquiring that land to be able to make those construction projects um, happen. Now uh, this work is also going to involve uh, adding additional on-ramps to the highway as well and some other additional work so it's going to be quite an extensive project um, but really this this beginning part um, which doesn't sound as sexy acquiring right of way but it is actually the most important part probably of the project because if you don't have the land you can't build anything um, so that's going to probably take the next uh, three years to just go through that process and there's a uh, significant um uh, uh, steps that are involved there to making that to making that happen. So then we're looking at 2025, uh, probably before construction starts on that. And then, friends, we come to the state legislature and get excited because it's Turnaround Week. So cue your Bonnie Tyler music right now because Friday, this Friday, is Turnaround Day. So that means that is the date by which all legislation introduced must pass its House of Origin or it goes no further, this legislative session, unless it's been blessed by leadership, meaning it's been exempted from the, the turnaround rules. But otherwise, if your piece of legislation hasn't passed, it's House of Origin. Gandalf comes out and he says it shall not pass, this legislative session. Uh, that one was for you. That was for you nerds out there. I, I see you. I see you. Um, so, yo, know, as we said uh, last time, uh, this uh, really set off kind of a feeding frenzy. Um, in the legislature, as it does every year, um, to get as many bills passed as they can uh, so that they can move on to be considered by the Senate. Um, so they have had a busy week, y'all, especially on the House side. Uh, we should note before we go any further, the most important piece of legislation that the Kansas House has passed so far this year has been that they passed a bill to make to- to-go cocktails, which of course started in the wake of, 20- of COVID-19, uh, to make those cocktails permanent. And that passed with a resounding majority of the Kansas House. Uh, so if we get enough, the House gets nothing else done this year. They have at least the made-to-go uh, cocktails, a permanent fixture. And I I, I I suspect that the Kansas Senate will probably approve pretty swiftly as well. Um, something that actually happened yesterday um, that you might have gotten whiplash if you're trying to follow this um, was a uh, bill to give out these, uh, low, interest, uh, these low interest loans uh, to small towns and small communities um, around the state that are facing uh, really, really sky high energy bills because of that recent bout of cold weather. Uh, so this was a bill that was introduced that provides $100 million in low interest loans um, for small communities throughout the state of Kansas. And what we're talking about here is small towns, so towns like uh, Ellenwood and Altamont are a couple of the towns um, that were used as examples. Um, These are towns that operate their own energy utilities. So, you know, the rest of us in the state of Kansas and big cities like here in Topeka, we utilize energy or Kansas gas for our utilities. And a lot of these small towns, the town itself actually operates its own public utility because they are so small. Uh, well, when the uh, winter storm from Hades came uh, the other day, the other day, a couple weeks ago now, um, they uh, the uh, cost of natural gas, of course, skyrocketed. Um, and so what has happened is a lot of these small towns that operate their own utilities are now looking uh, at bills that are astronomically high, and we're talking bills that if the utility really passed that cost on to the consumers in their communities, we're talking about thousands of dollars being added to each individual's utility bill in order to make up that cost. Um, And so uh, this has uh, promptly set a lot of communities, of course, into a panic uh, because there's no way um, that they have the ability. It would bankrupt many of these small communities to be able to pay um, these sky high uh, energy bills, natural gas bills. Um, So, uh, the legislature took it upon themselves um, to pass a bill that would grant these these loans um, to to small communities, um, so that it makes the bills much much more manageable. So, you know, a community could get away, for instance, with only maybe passing on an extra ten to fifteen dollars onto people's utility bills instead of you know four thousand dollars. Um, this bill probably set a record. It was introduced into committee, approved by both chambers of the legislature, and signed by the governor all in the same day, y'all. Uh, it, was, it was a marathon of a day, but that just shows how important uh, this piece of legislation uh, was. that It was able to sail right through. Um, there are a couple other things that passed the House this week, and this is so not even an extensive list, uh, but they passed a bill that would allow uh, university athletes to get paid, Um, Which is which was pretty interesting. And so this is um, talking about uh, uh, student athletes, of course, at universities, allowing them to have to be compensated for their uh, their name, image, likeness, athletic reputation. Um, the, they, the athletes will actually be paid by sponsors and not the universities themselves. Um, but this is something if you've been if you played the sports ball in college, you know, that this is something that's been um, a hot topic of conversation. Um, over half the states right now are considering legislation uh, to do this to allow their college athletes to receive compensation. And so that's a big win for a lot of student athletes out there because this is something they've been after for for quite a long time. Um, Another bill, as we're talking about, you know, energy utility bills earlier, there is a bill that requires utility companies like Evergy to notify cities and landowners um, and other folks um, and then hold a public forum before they embark on any project that would install um, really massive power poles or other things that would significantly harm the property values of neighborhoods. And this stems out of an issue that happened in Wichita. Um, Not too long ago, where um, uh, Evergy installed these massive power poles um, that unfortunately went through a low-income neighborhood in the city of Wichita, and it absolutely destroyed uh, property values um, in that in that neighborhood. And so, this bill um, requires that before Evergy or any utility company does something like that, they have to have that public forum with landowners, and they have to notify city. They have to go through steps before they do something like that that has some potentially really disastrous consequences. Um, let's see what else we did. You know, we talked about a bill a couple of weeks ago, um, that would make it easier for, uh, establishments to sell 3-2 beer. That bill passed. So it's been a good, it's been a good week for alcohol, uh, in the state of Kansas. And speaking of drinking, uh, we made it illegal to pilot an aircraft while flying drunk, uh, which was apparently not a state crime before. So, Good to know on that, uh, that we are on top of that. That is, in fact, a federal crime. However, it appears in the state of Kansas that we had not uh, that that had not been a thing before this. So I'm glad we got that taken care of. Uh, So the House has been busy in this last week. Um, On the Senate side, we've got some things that are working their way through as well. They have been taking on some big issues uh, this week. Um, There was a bill that got uh, initial approval, but still needs to be voted on later this week, and that is um, a Senate bill that would require Kansas schools to offer, um, uh, require them to offer full-time and in-person instruction for every Kansas student beginning on March 26th. Uh, so in just, uh, what would that be, 24, no, 22 days from now? Uh, it's math, math is not one of my, my strong points. 22 days, there we go. Um, so uh, what this bill does, it does not force every student to be back in school in person but what it does require is that every school have the option to be able to do that. Um, this really um, gets at the consternation that a lot of uh, legislators have about remote learning and about hearing, you know, these legislators have been hearing from constituents about how detrimental remote learning has been for uh, for them and their students. And so they are putting pressure on their legislators um, to then do something about it. And so this is legislators' ways of trying to put pressure School districts to be able to uh, to come up um, with, uh, excuse me, to be able to come up with some kind of plan to um, get students back to school or closer to back to school. Um, So uh, we have that um, going, working its way through the Senate right now. Of course, engendering lots of debate um, in the Senate about the role of school boards and local control and that sort of thing. And then, of course, the last uh, really behemoth piece of legislation that the Senate is working on um, is working on a bill that would address the governor's use of emergency powers during a pandemic. Um, And this is a hot topic, um, as you might have heard, um, in the legislature. um, There are a fair amount of legislators that are not happy with the governor's handling of the pandemic. Um, As you might imagine, this has become quite the political football. Um, You've seen it happen. You all all are smart. You saw this happen at the national level. Um, The pandemic has become a a political hot potato. And the same thing is happening here in the state. Uh, So you've got Republicans that are... One, uh, upset with how they view the governor's response to COVID. Uh, They all also can read a calendar, and they know that next year we have a gubernatorial election. And so they are all trying to position themselves in advance of the, the next gubernatorial election. So for being honest just as we get into this conversation we, we just need on the table that that's what's going on here there's it's it's politics uh people trying to position themselves before the next election and this offers them the perfect opportunity to do it Um, So right now we have um, an extension of uh, the governor's orders under the emergency, uh, the existing um, Emergency Management Act um, that expires on March 31st. Um, So before then, we've got to come up with what's going to what's going to take that take its place. Um, So the Senate has been working on reforms to the Kansas Emergency Management Act. Uh, These reforms do a number of different things, and it really just does a number in general to uh, the power of the governor. Um, It allows the governor to declare a public health disaster emergency for only 15 days. Um, So the governor, whoever they are, gets 15 days to do it, and then it can only be extended. That declaration of disaster can only be extended by the full legislature, or if the legislature is not in session, if it happens, you know, during the summer or the fall, um, then it can be extended by only by a 10 person emergency management committee made up of members of the House and Senate. Uh, so it takes away, it strips away the governor's ability to be able to extend um, that those declarations. It makes all of the governor's executive orders that are issued pursuant to that declaration subject to review by the attorney general, who can then issue an opinion on the validity of those uh, on those executive orders. Quick little side note that the attorney general right now, Derek Schmidt, the Republican, is also probably one of the most likely challengers to Laura Kelly in the next election. So just connecting some dots while we're talking about this. Uh, this bill also forbids the governor from limiting religious services, seizing ammunition, modifying election laws, or enacting any favorable election laws. Um, curious that those are seem to be some very specific things that are targeted in those reforms to that law. It's almost as though there is one party that is particularly concerned about that. And again, I'm just going to... I'm just going to put that out there for for you all. So this did pass the Senate and it is on its way to the House. And so, of course, the House will, will review and probably have its own changes. And so then they'll have to reconcile the changes between the two bills. But that bill is a humdinger. Of a bill when it comes to uh, the governor's executive powers, um, and as Senate, as Democrats in the Senate I try to remind their Republican colleagues, you know, one day there there will likely be a day when there is no longer a uh, a, Demo- a Democratic governor; and they have a Republican governor, and so um, it's it's hard to. F- to f- to remember that sometimes, but you know what you do because in spite maybe of one governor um, can come back to bite you when you have a governor of your own party who wants to exercise um, powers. So it's one of those it's just one of those things that people have to keep in mind. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the fate of uh, Senate Bill Two Seventy Three this year and that folks is it that is the wild world of what's going on in our state and local government for this week but stay tuned though because we're about to take things super local um as we chat with topeka public schools uh school board member lalo muñoz Says coming up right here after the break you're listening to ballots and brews on Sonic 785 live radio all right, well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are so excited for uh, our next interview this evening. You know, we've talked a lot of times on our show here about the importance of local government, and one uh, often overlooked part of our local government, but an essential part of local governance, is school boards. Um, these are often some of our hardest-working uh, local elected officials, and so we are so excited to have uh, one of them joining us today. Uh, we are pumped to have Lalo Munoz, a, a board member with Topeka Public schools with us today. Lalo, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as we get started, Lalo, why don't you uh, tell folks just a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, sure. So I was uh, born and raised here in Topeka. I went to school uh, in USD 501 and uh, Lafayette in, in East Topeka, as well as uh, Chase in middle school. And I graduated from Topeka High. And, uh, and so it was, it was, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I made friends with lots of different people, um, from lots of different backgrounds. And I think that's part of uh, an important part of, of an education as a young person is getting to know other individuals, um, in your classroom. And, and I think what, part of what makes public school so great.
1: Absolutely. A good, good shout out to Chase and Lafayette there as, as well. Now, where was Lafayette elementary located? Uh,
0: Lafayette is, well, Lafayette no longer exists. Right. It was, uh, um, it was what stands where Lafayette is got dual language. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, so, uh, and that's, that's where my kids go. Uh, so oh, very cool. You know, yeah.
1: Uh so it's good, good work that happens there for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what made you then decide uh, as someone that's grown up in, in, in the community, you know, what made you decide to want to run for school board?
0: Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things. Uh, first off, I was asked by somebody, um, that I should consider running for school board. Um, I had never in my life thought about running for office. It was ne- never something that I had aimed for. Never something that I had entertained. Uh, I could never picture myself in that sort of role. But a couple different things happened. One, somebody asked me, "You should run." You know, there's uh, a number of board members who are taking a step back after a number of years. They did an awesome job, um, and that there's a void there. Think about it. So that was one. Uh, the second thing was, um, I began to ask myself, you know, what, what are other things that I could do? How can I help move Topeka forward? And when you think about those sort of questions, having three kids who are uh, Topeka public school students, um, and and I had you know, volunteered for a number of years along with my wife in our local PTO, um, it just seemed like uh, that might be an opportunity for me to do something and and, and push myself in the in an area where I wasn't comfortable with, but that uh, but maybe might benefit from it. Um, and as I looked at at the school board, um, having parents on the school board, I thought was really important. Um, in, in any legislative body, when you have a group of people making really important decisions, you want to make sure you have lots of different perspectives and you have lots of different ways of looking at this issue in order to make the best possible decision. And so I think having parents on the school board is really important. Uh, and lastly, you know, we have a, a large um, uh, Latino population, and, and, and I thought that there's um, being able to help have school, uh, the school school board be able to connect with some of these uh, Spanish-speaking Parents um, is, is an important as well as individuals from, from East Topeka. So, my, my background, I think, um, lends itself to be able to connect with a part of our um, community. Um, and and I think all, all of those things coming together lend to, I thought, my candidacy being something really important to contribute.
1: Sure. So, you know, after you made that the decision, was there anything that, you know, surprised you uh, as you started the campaign?
0: Uh, you know, yes. Yeah, there, there were a lot of different things. Uh, I think one of the things that I got from talking to and and I walked door to door, something like 155 days um, starting. Um, and I, I counted right every every day. As soon as I get off work, I go home, change and go out and, and knock on doors. Um, and I, I think uh, uh, something I got a sense of from lots of voters, both voters, regular voters, as well as. Um, unlikely voters, as well as those who aren't registered to vote, uh, was a a sense that, um, people want to feel that they're heard first and foremost. People want to feel like the local government cares about what they think and what they feel and that, that they're there to, to listen and, and to take their opinions and, and perspectives into consideration whenever we're making decisions. And so I, over and over, um, I, focus on and try to work on listening to what they're saying, not trying to respond, not trying to uh, interject, um, but simply listening. Um, and and I think that's something that's, uh, that's hard because there's a couple of competing values. Um, first off, when anybody runs for office, the, the you, you only have a certain amount of time, right? And when you have a certain amount of time, you have to focus on those individuals who are regular voters, And unfortunately, that's sort of the, the constraint um, and, and oftentimes what happens then is that just because of, of these constraints of time and money uh, unlikely voters as well as unregistered voters just don't get the 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 time um the the attention um that you like and so i think that's one thing that um if we want topeka uh, residents and committee members to um to know and care about uh, our local local government how it runs how these decisions are made I think there has to be a concerted effort to uh, connect to individuals who often don't don't see a reason why they should be involved. And so, the, I think the onus is on local elected officials to try and figure out how do we connect with um, families, how do we connect with community members, uh, and get them to uh, and listen, listen uh, to what they have to say uh, as a first step towards having more more energy and more uh, engagement
1: absolutely well yeah i think especially uh nowadays i think that that idea of listening more to other folks i think it's probably more important than ever because you know there, there's so much talking past each other uh that we that we do and, and i think we probably benefit all levels of government by by the list taking more time to listen to what other people are saying
0: and, and while i say that it, it's also really really hard because Definitely, right uh, because every local elected official many of us uh, are doing this on top of a full-time job yeah. on top of helping to take care of you know our, our families um extracurricular activities and and, and so and layer on that uh, putting extra time it, it, those, sort <laughs> the, those sort of those sort of the things that that make it hard um, and and but regardless of that, i think it's important to to build confidence in and local government, and, and and close that gap that exists between um, between community members and individuals like myself and others who make these decisions that impact everybody.
1: Absolutely. Well, and you know, when you think about you know the the your first uh, your uh, uh, start here to your term on the board, you know, as you think about what's been your what's been your favorite part of the job, and what do you think's been the, the hardest part?
0: You you know, there are a lot, well, first off, I I went into this thinking, oh, this is, um, you know, the economic turmoil that we had in 2008 and 2009, uh, that was long gone, and this should be a smooth ride. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And and I think I got it two or three months into uh, my term, and then we had the pandemic. Right. It has been, it's been a learning experience, so. But but, you know, we're all built hands um, and we don't always get to choose what we what we uh, what we get. And so the, what's important is how do you respond to that? And so I, I think it has been um, there's been a lot of uh, great things. I, I think for, first and foremost, what I really enjoy is getting to connect into uh, to get to know some of our students. We have a uh, uh, lots of great students, smart who are capable, who are going to go on to do amazing things um, in, in their lives and, and are going to represent 501 in, in great ways. And so I think, first and foremost, I, I really enjoy getting to know uh, our students, their stories, what they uh, what they enjoyed about their experience, uh, and, and what they think needs attention. I think that's important that when you think about, you know, I talked earlier about listening to voters. I think it's also equally important to listen to students because who knows better what's going on in our schools than, than students themselves. And then uh, the other thing I, I enjoy is visiting our schools. That's um, not been possible uh, with, uh, because of COVID-19, but, um, but things are looking better and so I'm really excited about being able to visit our schools, getting to know our teachers uh, and, and our students. Sure. Yeah.
1: You know, when you uh, when you look ahead, you know, even past the, the pandemic, you know, uh, what do you think are some of the, the biggest challenges that are facing Topeka Public Schools, but also what are some of the biggest opportunities as well?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, I think, and this is not just 501, this is all school districts, um, both local as well as all across our country. The biggest challenge is understanding accurately the long-term impact Of this pandemic. Um, We're still not we still don't know exactly where the data is not in yet and we won't know until we finish this school uh, the school session but uh, once we're done in May um, beginning to look at the data of our students and, and asking ourselves where are we at and looking at the data and trying to figure out you know what are what are some ways that looking at this data to help us to adjust and to when students come back to meet those students where they are and I think it's and so one is is we need more data to help us know uh, how students um, went through this school uh, year how do they manage um, and then to begin to prepare for next uh, next school year in the fall and there's so many variables up in the air that it's hard to make a, a good decision. And that's, I think, when we talk about challenges, I think that's the other challenge is that when we're making decisions, that oftentimes you have imperfect data uh, within, with a time crunch, and you have to make really important decisions with uh, limited information, with limited data, and uh, and you do your best to, to try to make those decisions based on input from lots of different people, listening to emails from, from families and from um, from you know administration and, and others, and and, uh, and you make the call that you think is best at that time in in conjunction with your colleagues. Sure,
1: sure. Gosh, yeah, that would be that would be so hard, uh, especially you know when there are there is so much yeah you writing know, on those decisions at times as well.
0: Yeah, and and you know, uh, you you the second part of your question was what are opportunities? Uh, I think what I see as an opportunity. Is, is the fact that uh, all of us were pushed um, to do more. And, and I'm talking about myself now as, as a parent, um, having my kids at home um, part of the time, I, I had to do more than I was used to to help them with, uh, with the schoolwork. And one thing that all parents know is that so the way the kids learn now is different than from when we were in school. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not that old, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, even, even in that span of, of 20 some odd years, um, things have changed a lot. And so having to help our our kids, um, we as parents had to learn as well at the same time and then try to help to support our, our students. Um, and, and so that's, um, I think there's there's an opportunity. There's something there about um, engaging parents, um, maybe not to the level that during the pandemic, but in, in ways where um, parents and teachers can work in, in a different way because of our experience that we've had um, during the pandemic, uh, that might help to make our students even that much more uh, successful.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I I think, too, that, you know, there's been so many parents that I've talked about, too, you know, that, well, I've always appreciated um, the role of teachers, but gosh, I appreciate it even more now. When you you just really, parents have gotten a sense of just, you know, all the different uh, kinds of roles that a teacher um, uh, has. And I think that's, there's an appreciation that's developed there as
0: well. Yeah, I, I think all of us have come out of this experience learning something more that we hadn't realized before. Uh, I, I know that uh, the uh, lots of students who I talk to are excited to be in class. Right? They are. They desire to be there for the last couple of months, and and when they finally had their opportunity, they really enjoyed that connection that they had with their, their teachers, and maybe got to know a little bit, have a little bit more, you know, appreciation from. I think all of us, I think, appreciate a lot of those things, those connections with in work, in school, and, and just being able to go out in ways that we didn't before.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, uh, you know, before we before let you go uh, today, as a, a school board member, we, we figured we would uh, dive a little bit into uh, your time in school, Lalo. So we had uh, a little lightning round uh, okay. set of questions about, about your time in school, if that works for you. Sure. Yeah. All right. So your your favorite subject when you were in school,
0: I had had to be other math or science.
1: <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, your favorite teacher.
0: <laughs> I don't remember his name, but I always remember what he told me. And he always told me, you're a gentleman and a scholar. And that as a young person, that always stuck with me because... I first I didn't know what gentleman was at that young age. Right? What's what's a gentleman? Right. And and then this, this scholar, right? And and so I, I think that goes to the power of of an influence that um, teachers have on 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 us as young people. Absolutely. For me to have remembered that I don't remember his name and I can I can barely his face is, is fuzzy, but I remember his words to me.
1: That's awesome. That's way cool. Uh, your favorite school lunch growing up?
0: Oh, that, that's going to be hard. It's either that, <laughs> that, uh, that rectangle pizza. Yes. Or or it's, it's going to be that chili with the cinnamon bun.
1: Oh, so, my gosh, yes. <laughs> the, the classic Kansas combo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, so, and then last one, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: At first, I wanted to be an archaeologist digging up dinosaur bones nice and then and then I think uh, an astronaut um, but I saw I saw the rigors <laughs> they had to go through and that, that scared me <laughs>
1: <laughs> very cool That's, I think I had like three or four different careers playing that when I was younger so and, and we, we both always, yeah. and we both ended up in good places so it all it all worked out
0: <laughs> it, it always does
1: yeah. absolutely well of course one last question we have to ask because this is balance and bruise um, so at the, the end of a long day after a school board meeting or
0: something like that, you know, what is your uh, favorite beer or cocktail to unwind with? Uh, you know, if it's, uh, uh, I would have to say it's either, in, you know, just regular old Bud Light or if, I, if I'm feeling Uh, I'm going down to Blind Tiger and getting one of their pale ales.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Blind Tiger pale ales are good. The pale ale in the wheat is my my favorite over there. It's a good choice. Awesome. Well, Lalo, thank you uh, for for everything you do on on the school board. I said at the beginning, you know, I know people often talk that school boards are are some of the hardest levels of hardest working levels of of government uh, because it is a a lot of work and you're you're right there in the community doing it. So, So thanks for what you do for students in our community. Yeah.
0: No, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks again to Lalo for being here. For all of you listening, go ahead and stay tuned. Up next, we will close out our show as we always do with our take action moment of the night. So remember, you are listening to Balance and Brewers here on KSF 75 Live Radio. All right, folks, we are going to wrap things up tonight with our take action moment of the night. Uh, so we talked um, earlier today, of course, with Lalo from Topeka Public Schools uh, Board of Education um, and you know just about how important school boards are in our community. So as we wrap up today, we really just wanted to hit again, um, you know, can I emphasize enough just how important um, school boards are in our community um, and why it's so important to, to keep up with them. So we want to share you some resources um, on how you can do uh, just said where to find that information to stay informed on what's happening with your school board to find out who your uh, your school board members are and that sort of thing. So we're going to kind of take you on a ride, a journey through Topeka uh, right now through each district. Um, they'll let you find their information. So. We'll start, of course, with Topeka Public Schools, um, where uh, Lalo's from that we just talked with. So if you head to TopekaPublicSchools.net, TopekaPublicSchools.net, click BOE on the top menu that you see right there, and that is going to take you to the hub of all their Board of Education information on there. Um, You're going to find agendas, you're going to find board minutes, you're going to find the contact information for each board member, how you can sign up to speak at meetings, because, yep, just like city council meetings, the general public has the ability to Sign up uh, to speak at uh, school board meetings as well. Um, you can also catch meetings uh, broadcast live on the district's Facebook page, um, and that's kind of a common thread you're going to find um, with technology these days. You know, it is easier than ever to watch the meetings of even these local units of government uh, right online without even having to go anywhere. Um, so even after the pandemic uh, is over, and yeah, we can go to things, there's still going to be ways to be able to watch these uh, these proceedings remotely without even having to leave the. Couch. Uh, which is pretty exciting. So there are so many ways, um, even virtually, to be able to still engage uh, with these uh, with these units of government, which I think is super cool. Granted, I'm a nerd, but it's also a great way to be able to, to stay in touch with what's happening in your community. Uh, so, again, they broadcast their meetings on the district's Facebook page. Um, in pre-COVID times, the their board did move their meetings around to different schools um, in the community. Um, but for now, they're just meeting at the Burnett Center, um, which is the administrative uh, building for Topeka Public Schools. Uh, They meet the first and third Thursdays of the month at 5.30 p.m. And you're going to find that first and third uh, those first and third weeks of the month are pretty busy for our local boards of education. Uh, Because then we're going to whip over to Auburn Washburn um, and their board of education. Uh, You can head to usd437.net slash board uh, to find similar information that we just talked about. See who their board members are. Find out how to contact them. See all their agendas, minutes, all that kind of information uh, about the board. And They meet at the Schuler Education Center, which is, again, the, uh, the kind of hub for Auburn-Washburn. Uh, they meet the first and third Mondays at 6.30 p.m. Um, and, of course, their meetings also allow for input from the public. Um, and so there's information on their page about how to sign up to do that. Um, and they live stream their meetings on a YouTube page. Um, so you can catch Auburn-Washburn's meetings um, being live streamed on YouTube. Um, and then we'll head up north to Seaman Schools. So if you head to seamanschools.org/slash board of education. Can't get much simpler than that. org slash Board of Education. You're going to find all that similar information that we just talked about. Um, you can see their meetings live streamed actually right there on that, on that uh, website. Um, you can even actually, a neat feature on their school board's website, you can actually find information on teacher salary negotiations. Um, that is one really important role of Boards of Education is to negotiate and set salaries uh, for their employees. Um, and so that is something that you can find information directly on their website for. Um, Um, And then we'll wrap up on the southeast part of town with Shawnee Heights. Um, You can head to usd450.net slash district slash Board of Education. So usd450.net slash district slash Board of Education. And again, find similar information you're going to find on each of those webpages, information about who your board members are and how to get in touch with them. Um, You'll find some other information on their website, too. They've got, you know, what the the goals are of their Board of Education meeting, uh, their Board of Education. Uh, They meet the first and third Mondays at 7 p.m. Uh, So, again, when you talk about those... uh, first and third weeks of the month are pretty busy, uh, for our, our local boards of ed here in town. So you can catch the Shawnee Heights, uh, school board meetings, the first and third Mondays at 7. PM. They typically meet in the professional development room, at, at Shawnee Heights high school. Um, so again, you can catch their, uh, their meetings there. Um, you know, I did forget for the Siemens board of education, as we we're talking about when, uh, when people meet and whatnot. And we didn't mention, uh, when, uh, when the Siemens school district, uh, Board of Ed meets, and so um, for that information again, you can head to that seamanschools.org/slash uh, board of education uh, to be able to find uh, when their uh, when their meetings are. And so we are looking right now. Uh, th- this is happening live on air right now because I forgot to look this up before we before I wrote this information down. Um, but you can find uh, their information on when uh, they meet, located uh, right there online. Um, so. What that folks um, that wraps up our show for uh, for today. Uh, we all we will, as always, have all this information we just talked about um, about where to find information for our local uh, boards of education. We will put that on our social media, um, so that is a good uh, reminder to follow us on Facebook at Ballots and Brews, um, and then to follow us on Twitter um, at, at Ballots Brews on Twitter, where we'll, we'll, we'll be sharing um, all this information we just talked about. So we'll find we'll post the schedules and the links and all that good stuff uh, right on there. Um, a huge shout out to those of you that have subscribed to us, by the way, on Apple Podcasts uh, because we are now official and legit on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't yet, you can look us up on there and hit subscribe to be able to keep up to date with the latest episodes um, right, to your, uh, right to your device on Apple Podcasts. So a huge shout out uh, for those of you that have subscribed to that. Um, and then with that, folks, um, until next week, please, please, please stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, keep doing your social distancing, Drink some good beer in the meantime, and we'll see you next week here on Balance and Brews on KCF 785 Live Radio. Right here is where I would say, now for a brief word from our sponsors, but I'm just sitting here waiting for you to put words in my mouth. So, for advertising opportunities, go to 785live.com.